Hello, Woodland Hills. Lovely congregation, delightful congregation, holy congregation. I'm Greg Boyd, teaching pastor here at Woodland Hills Church. Good to see all of you uh, here this last service of the 2017 year. Uh, I was walking in the church this morning. Someone came up alongside of me as we're walking in and said, so how many, how many righteousness points do we get for coming to church today? <laughs> when I checked my... my uh, uh, Weather app uh, this morning, just before I left for church, it was 15 below and 33 below, if, 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 according to windchill. So it feels like it's 33 below zero. That is cold. Uh, so I'm thinking that's got to be worth it. 30, 30 points maybe? 30, 35? 35 righteousness points awarded for those who showed up this morning. Woo! We are the righteous, the remnant. Uh, some parishioners from uh, North Carolina are visiting us this weekend. I met with them earlier. I, and in the weekend, uh, uh, see, to them, 33 above zero is cold. Uh, this is a new level of reality for them. They're like, what is this? I've never felt this before. Uh, this is Minnesota, and we like it this way. Arr, we eat cold for breakfast. Yeah, it's, it's, and I hope you all had a great Christmas uh, weekend and uh, uh, Christmas week this last, this last week. I, I will, I'll be honest with you, um, my Christmas was memorable for all the wrong reasons. I, it's a Christmas I'll never forget. Um, spent the majority of it and the majority of this week on the can. It was just, there's a bug going around and it's the wor I, it was the worst stomach bug I've ever had in my life. I, I, the silver lining is I lost seven pounds this week. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But uh, I wouldn't recommend this weight loss program on anybody. It's, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was nasty. But... And I still got just a little touch of that in my stomach. So if in the middle of the sermon, I run out of here taking short steps. You'll know uh, that there's some intestinal issues going on here. All right. Just, just so you're forewarned. Um, then uh, last thing I'll say is this is, the, you know, this is the last service in this uh, 2017 year. And whatever your views are, whatever your political leanings are, uh, or if you even have no political leanings, we, we can all agree it's been an interesting year. Would you agree? I, I, I look for a very neutral term there. It's an interesting year. It's been very interesting. Uh, it's also the kind of year where I am so thankful that I belong to a kingdom that's not of this world. I, I am so thankful. <laughs> because the version of the kingdom we're in right now seems a little bit jacked up. It's a little bit. It's just getting really, really weird. Uh, but uh, you can say it is well with your soul when your heart and your soul is anchored uh, in the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for you and what he's done for the world and what's going to be happening in the future. Put all your eggs in that basket and you can have a peace that passes all understanding regardless of all of the mayhem, craziness, and insanity that's going on all around us. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So being the last service of the 2017 year, I thought it'd be good to have a, uh, a message where uh, it's kind of a standalone message uh, about looking back and reflecting on things, the importance of remembering and looking back and not forgetting. Uh, there's two verses I want to read just to kind of prime the pump here. The first one's James 1.17. I love this verse. I quote it quite a bit. This is the message version. Every desirable and beneficial gift comes out of heaven. The gifts are rivers of light cascading down from the Father of light. That sounds kind of new ages, but let's go with it. Uh, there is nothing deceitful in God. Nothing two-faced. Nothing fickle. I love that. God's character is invariant. Uh, he is pure goodness and pure love all the time. 
and all the time. He's pure goodness and pure love. There's not one tinge of anything else in him. Your brain will be as healthy as you are convinced of this truth, that God looks like Jesus Christ on the cross all the way down to the core of his being, and there ain't nothing else there. Amen? All right. Then there's this passage. Uh, Moses is talking to the Israelites, and he says, Take care and watch yourselves closely, so that neither to forget the things that your eyes have seen, nor to let them slip from your mind all the days of your life. We find verses like this all the time uh, throughout the Bible. Uh, the, the Lord telling us, don't forget. Remember what you've seen. Notice, notice what's, what, what I've done and, and hang on to, to that. Never let it forget. And so uh, that will be what the, we're, we'll be talking about here this morning. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking about an ancient discipline, or at least an aspect of an ancient discipline that I call the discipline of reviewing. The discipline of reviewing. And... Uh, uh, it's just about the importance of, of, of not taking things for granted and noticing what God's doing and remembering that and the, import, the important role that plays in our life. And I'll first apply it to our lives individually and then I'll apply it to, our, um, uh, to us as a congregation uh, for this last year. I first should confess that I am the last person on the planet that should be talking on a sermon about remembering. Because I am the most forgetful person on the planet. At least I would be up in the running for among the top two. Uh, it is, it, it's, so two weeks ago, uh, David Morrow preached here. Yeah, and, and, and uh, but I was supposed to be here. Uh, I, my, my job was to, to do an explanation for the warm welcome campaign. And so I was here on Saturday night service and that went well. And I was here for the first service on Sunday, it went well. And then we had a meeting with some people that we had to, you know, talk through some issues and stuff. And then after that, uh, I, I mingled with the crowd that was coming for the 11 o'clock service, you guys, and had some conversations. And then I casually went back to my office and put on my coat and got my keys and got my car and drove home. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm uh, two-thirds of the way home. <laughs> I'm two-thirds of the way home. And all of a sudden, it occurs to me, I had one more service where I was supposed to do that. Warm welcome explanation. And I take out my phone and look at it, and it's 11.20, which is exactly the time I'm supposed to be getting up on stage to do this warm welcome explanation. And so you get that pit in your stomach, because there's not a thing you can do about it now. And uh, uh, thankfully, Mary Van Sickle was here, and I heard that she roasted my behind. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I can't even complain about that, because I completely deserve it. I completely deserve it. That was a bonehead thing, even by my standards. So um, it, it, it's, uh, I, 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 I wish I could say that that's a rare exception. Hardly ever happens. But everybody who knows me would know I'd be lying. Uh, that tends to be par for the course. I just I am forgetful on things. Um, aside from people who've got severe dementia and Alzheimer's, I'm just the, the, the most forgetful. And my closest friends would say even that comparison is questionable. Uh, anyway, I even take that. Unless you worry that I myself have dementia or Alzheimer's, let me just say that I have always been like this. This is nothing new. It's not brain degeneration. This is just me being me. Uh, uh, growing up, I think the phrase I forgot was probably the most common phrase out of my mouth. I forgot. I was always saying it. Mr. Boyd, where's your assignment? Ah, I forgot. Dude, why weren't you at band practice today? I, 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 I forgot. Greg, why'd you stand me up on our date? You're supposed to pick me up Friday night. 
ooh, I forgot. Um, it, it's, it's, just, it's just par for the course. So thank God for Shelly. Uh, my, my wife who holds my life together. Uh, if it wasn't for her, I'd be a complete train wreck. Worse than I actually am. It'd be, it'd be terrible. I actually have a good memory. It's just that I get so preoccupied with other things, I forget to use it. How's that for an excuse? <laughs> I've got a great memory. I, I just forget to use it. <laughs> it's a, but it's kind of true. I just get preoccupied with things, and I, and I, I just, you know... I'm not there. Now, I'll grant that by, I, I, I'm kind of extreme on the forgetfulness spectrum, but when it comes to spiritual things, we all tend to be Greg Boyds who forget a lot. Uh, we all tend to forget things. If that wasn't the case, why would the Bible have to remind us so often to not forget? We obviously have, a, have an issue here. Um, we tend to just sort of forget about God, forget about uh, the things he's done, and, and start to live our life in a secular mode as though he didn't exist. Um, but see, remembering what God has done, noticing what God's done and remembering what God has done is so important because it's what we remember, it's what's in our brain that, that, that forms that, me, that, that mental narrative that I've talked about. I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago, or I don't remember, but I do remember recently I talked about it. Uh, our mental narrative, this this is the story that we're always telling ourselves in our head. Um, our brain's always yapping, always yapping, and it's interpreting things, and it forms a story. Our mental narrative is what holds kind of the, brings cohesion to our past and our present going into the future. Our, our mental narrative is, is uh, the, the, the way that, that, the framework through which we interpret things, the lens that we wear, the, the grid that everything gets filtered through. And so our mental narrative ends up being the thing that determines the way we, we experience our identity and our, our sense of purpose and meaning. It's, it's what uh, determines our value system and what we find significant or insignificant. It, it's what determines how we, how we respond to events because it determines how we interpret those events. It's what determines our, our picture of God. It's our, the mental narrative that we live in. We all live in a story. Now, the thing is, most people don't know they live in a story. Most people aren't aware that their brain is always yapping at them. Because they're used to it. It's just part of their default. And so we become like people who are always wearing yellow-colored sunglasses, but who forget that they're wearing yellow-colored sunglasses. So you just think the world is yellow. Uh, we, we see the world through the lens of our, our mental narrative, but we're not aware that we have this mental narrative, so we just think that we're just seeing the world as it actually is. Our map becomes the territory. And so most people aren't aware that they have a mental narrative, a construct, and, and by the same means, they're not aware that uh, um, they inherit that mental narrative from other sources. Most people don't choose the mental narrative they live in. They didn't choose it because they're not even aware that they have it. And so for, for most folks, their mental narrative, the yapping in their brain, is just a collection of stuff that they inherited from the world. Uh, what they saw on television, things parents said to them, things peers said to them, the experiences they've gone through, you know, various sources of social media. It all, the brain just takes all this information in, it stores it, and it yaps about it, and it becomes part of the story they live in. So most folks just inherit it from the world. It's kind of by chance, whatever happened to get in there. And so their sense of identity and purpose and meaning and, and their, their value system and how they respond to events and how they think about God, it tends to be something they didn't choose. It chose them. And so it's, most people's freedom is severely restricted. But folks, kingdom people can't inherit their kingdom narrative from the world. 
As kingdom people, we've got to realize we have a meta-narrative. And if Jesus Christ is Lord of our life, he's got to be Lord of your meta-narrative because your meta-narrative is the most influential thing that determines the quality of your life. Amen? Uh, Jesus Christ should define our identity. No one else. Jesus Christ should define our sense of meaning and purpose. No one else. Jesus Christ should define how we respond to events. Uh, And certainly how we view God, Jesus Christ, and nobody else. And so to make him Lord of our life is to make him Lord of our meta-narrative, uh, Lord of our thinking. This is what Paul's getting at when he says, bring every thought captive to Jesus Christ. Our, our, the, the goal has got to be to integrate the kingdom, the truths of the kingdom, into our self-talk, into the way that we yap about things in our head. Uh, and, and, and that's something we've got to choose. We, you can't inherit that. You've got to choose it, and you've got to choose it over and over and over again. Uh, to, to think only on things that are good and wise and pleasing and pure and, and, and all the things that Paul says that, that we're supposed to be thinking about and to delete everything else. The challenge about this is to remember to do it because we forget. And we tend to default back to the, the yapping that we're used to, the yapping that we inherited from the world. Uh, we, we forget that we're called to have a distinct way of looking at the world, a distinct way of being in the world and responding to the world. That's not the same as everybody else's. The challenge is to remember that as you're walking, moment by moment, God is with you and God is active all around you and God's got things to, that he would, he'd call you to do if you're listening to him. The challenge is to remember that who you are in Christ moment by moment and, and, and that, that you're filled with the Spirit moment by moment and that there's things that are going on, kingdom things moment by moment, and that you're part of this kingdom movement uh, moment by moment. And so this brings me to this discipline of reviewing. Uh, because this discipline of reviewing is all about cultivating this capacity. It's anchored in the biblical truth that, that God is always at work to maximize good and to minimize evil. And you find this reflected in a thousand different ways. And Paul says, for example, that in all things, Romans 8.28, in all things, in every event, God is working uh, uh, for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Uh, and he's at work in those who, who, who love the Lord uh, to bring good out of evil and to redeem things um, because they're the ones who know what he's doing. I mean, God would love to do this with everybody, but it's only those that are aware that God's at work here that, that cooperate with him to, do, to work according to his purposes. But he's always at work. Paul even says that God's at work uh, in Romans 13. God's at work in the sword-wielding governments to bring about as much good as possible and minimize as much evil as possible. So in every event, God's present. Now, there's always a lot of variables that go into uh, any event. There's, there's, behind every event, there's a myriad of influences that go back in time, uh, including the, the decisions of, of, of humans and the decisions of angels. Just a myriad of influences behind every event, which is why we can never know why anything happens exactly the way it does. But we, what we do know is that God is present among those influences to maximize as much good and life and health and well-being as is possible. He's always at work. Now, we know that truth from Scripture, but the question is, do we live it? The world of difference between knowing something to be true and living it out. Does that truth that God is always at work every nanosecond, right now, God is working, does that does that reality affect our mental narrative? Does it affect the way that we look at the world, the way that we interpret the world, the way that we live in the world? Does it affect our assessment of things? Um, do we even notice, do we even notice when God's at work in our, in, in, in our life, in, in little ways and in, in big ways? And, and this is what the 
discipline of reviewing is all about because it's there to cultivate the kind of mindset that does notice and does remember. And that then goes, becomes part of our mental narrative which forms our character and impacts us. So this discipline of reviewing, uh, it was uh, kind of summarized really well in this book called Shapeshifting by Mumford, Douglas Mumford. Not, not shapeshifting. <laughs> that, that's a new age thing, isn't it? <laughs> Soul shaping. <laughs> I knew the title of the book, I just forgot. Soul shaping. <laughs> Taking care of your spiritual life. <laughs> shapeshifting. And now I'll turn into a orangutan. Uh, uh. So he, 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 he summarizes this uh, in a real succinct way. Here's what he says. Uh, I'll break, and he, by the way, doesn't call it uh, the, the discipline of reviewing. That's my title, but he nevertheless captures the discipline. So three steps here, and I'll add a fourth. Number one, he says, end each day with 15 minutes. Can I have number one up there? Number one says... Well, I'll say it and maybe it will appear. To, to carve out 15 minutes at the end of each day just to reflect on that day. You still don't have it? There we go. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wake up! Uh, carve out 15 minutes just to reflect on the day. This is why this kind of thing is so important. Um, among other things, in our technological age, People are addicted to their phones and social media, Twitter, whatever. And, and we've lost the, the, it's like we've all got ADD. <laughs> and, and we've lost that capacity or even the willingness to just to reflect, to sit down with yourself and just reflect. We need that. And, and, and so this discipline is saying take 15 minutes from the end of each day just to reflect on that day. Uh, don't wait till it's so late that you're so tired you can't think, because then now you're useless. You just go to bed. And for some folks, if you're really just a morning person, this is something you can do in the morning. Just reflect on the previous day and then anticipate the coming day. But uh, we need to have some space that we carve out just to reflect on the day, just to review what, did ha what happened that day. And then step number two, uh, just write down anything that stands out. It doesn't have to be a long description, but just make a little note of something that sort of hits you. It's maybe a little bit significant. And then number three, he says, ask the Spirit to show you how God was present in that event. Now, you, you know that God was present. That's not a question. That's the given. God was present there. The question is, can you see how God was present there? And as you begin to see how God was present, remembering that every good gift comes from the Father above. Okay? Look for the good gift. And it may even be in something that was negative. Because this reflecting, don't just reflect on the positive stuff, the negative stuff as well. But God's present in the negative stuff uh, to bring positive stuff out of it. And so be looking at that and know that every good thing you see there is a gift from God. And so give thanks for that. Give thanks for that. Never take anything for granted. And then I'll add this fourth step, which is so important for us. And that is I encourage us to write that down at least the ones that really stand out, write that down to remember it, to, to, to lock that in, to make it part of your memory bank. Uh, write it in a journal. doesn't have to be a long description, but just something that will help you when you go back to it, you'll, you'll remember that event. Because see, what can happen then is as you develop a journal, then when you go and reflect back on the, go beyond the day, reflect back on the week or on the month or on the year, and you'll see God's presence in the, in, in the everyday flow of your life. And that begins to create a sense that you're living in a kingdom reality instead of just living in a secular reality with a kingdom belief. You're living in a kingdom reality, 
Not in a secular reality with a kingdom belief. And, and, and so that sense of it being real happens as we... It's what you remember that begins to form your mental narrative and creates a sense of reality. And now it becomes... You begin to... The, the, it develops its own momentum. The more you see this, the more you're going to see this because now you're conditioning yourself to see this. And you begin to live in this and now it begins to shape who you are and form who you are. Now, a, a key aspect of this is to... to Remember that God is the God who knows every spirit that falls on the ground and knows every hair on, on your head. And the older some of us get, the easier God's job gets. Uh, though when he's done with the hairs, you know, when, if you have no hair on your head, he's cutting your nose hairs or your ears hairs or wherever, where, where your hair is growing. He knows all the hairs. He's a God of details is what I'm trying to say here. Right? He, he, he's into the smallest stuff. Okay? He's, he's not too big to be concerned with the littlest tiny thing. He's the God of the small. And, and, and sometimes it's in the most insignificant things that we find God in the most beautiful ways. And so the, the, the task here is to comb through each day and, and be looking at the small stuff. Now, God sometimes shows up in obvious big ways. You don't have to look for God there. It's, he's more obvious. But it's in the small things, the seemingly insignificant things, that sometimes you'll find God in the most beautiful and profound ways. Uh, this means we have to set aside just collapse altogether a widespread Christian assumption that I bet a lot of us, I bet a lot of you parishioners have without knowing it. And the assumption is that God is somehow more in the big than he is in the small. Uh, he, he's in the, 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 the big sensational supernatural wow events. Oh, God really showed up. Because wow, look at that. And, 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 and we think that God's more present there than in the small tiny stuff. And if you believe that, then what happens is, is you begin to think that God's not really concerned with you and God's not really involved in your life because there's not a lot of that big sensational supernatural stuff in your life. Uh, and so then people think that if they really want to find God, they got to go find the big supernatural wow stuff. Hey, have you, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's an entire population of people out there who chase after the God of the big wow supernatural sensational stuff. Uh, you know, you hear about these Holy Spirit revivals that happen. And, and God's there in, in big, sensational, supernatural, wow kind of ways. Because in these Holy Spirit revivals, they have gold dust that falls from the ceiling or from the sky. And people's fillings turn to gold and, and legs get lengthened so that they're equal length. And, 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 and people see signs and wonders, you know, in the sky or wherever. And, 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 and all sorts of other kind of healings are reported. And, and just wild stuff, pulpits split in two and things like that. And these folks, as soon as they hear about that, they, they chase after it. They spend enormous amounts of money traveling around the globe to make sure they don't miss something that God might be doing because he's in the big and the sensational, the supernatural, and the wow. And so they're, in fact, a guy wrote a book on this called The God Chasers. And, and he, he writes it as an affirming thing. Like, these people really want to know God. They love God. So they're chasing God all around the globe. And, and uh, you know, did you hear that God's showing up over there in, in, in Toronto or he's down there in Texas or he's over in Madrid or, or Buenos Aires or whatever. And so they've got to go to be there. They don't want to miss anything. I call him the God paparazzi. <laughs> you know, it's like, it, 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 it's kind of like God's the celebrity, like uh, Taylor Swift or something. Did you hear she's over there? We got to go get her kind of, we want to be part of this. Oh, no, she, no she's over here. No. And meanwhile, God's going running away. Stay away. I, I don't blame him. Why would you have to chase God? <laughs> He's chasing you. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, so they're, they're into that buzz. Now, here's the thing. I believe in the supernatural, and I, I pray we see more of that. I think that's for today. And, and, and uh, 
you know, I, I, I'm not critiquing anyone's particular ministry, a supernatural, miracle-working, fantastic ministry. I don't know enough about them to know what's authentic and what's not authentic. I believe in the miraculous. Though I've never understood, if these reports are true, why God is so into gold dust and, and, and fillings turning to gold. I just never got that. But who am I? I don't know anything. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, that, that's fine. Though I encourage you never to go chasing after that stuff because that assumes that God's more there than he is here. Uh, don't, don't go chasing after that because that will stunt your growth. That will stunt your growth. Chasing after the big sensational supernatural wow is not going to fundamentally change your character. It's not going to form the kingdom in you. And you'll be missing all of the ways, the beautiful ways, the many multitude of little glorious ways that God is involved in your life second by second. If you think God's over there, you're not looking here, but here is where God is. We've got to collapse that widespread assumption and know that God is into the small. He's into the small, the nitty-gritty, and, 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 and in powerful, beautiful ways. I'm not at all, if that happens, it happens, wonderful. But uh, don't ever think that, that that means that God's not involved in your life and in the details of your life and in the little tiny things, and sometimes it's the tiniest things, the littlest, most insignificant things. You find God in the most beautiful ways. Now, this may sound kind of sappy to some of you, but I'm going to share something that is from my recent experience. Uh, and it, it really comes down to this. Do you think that you can find God in profound ways in the look of a little puppy dog at you? Um, so here's the backstory on this. Um, my wife and I loved this dog, Max. I uh, had the Max for 13 years, but Max came down with a serious lung and heart uh, disease where we had to put him down. He was just getting so miserable, we had to put him down. And you dog lovers will appreciate this. Uh, that was a devastating experience for us. It was just, it, it's not the same as losing a child, but it's a step in that direction. It, it, was, it was just devastating for us, especially for Shelly. I love my buddy Max. Oh, I miss him. Uh, I, I love Max, but... Um, but Max and Shelly had a relationship like no human-animal relationship I've ever seen. Uh, Shelly would come home and Max would go nuts, just go nuts. Just he didn't know what to do with himself. He was beside himself. He'd run around in circles and, and he was just giddy. And it doesn't matter how long Shelly was gone. She'd be gone for five minutes, but if, when she returned, oh, you're home. Like he had been gone for a year. You know, it, it was just crazy. And then Shelly and Max would play in the most creative, fun, beautiful ways. They had these games and there's no rules to the games, but they just, they, they did things like the freeze game. Do any of you play freeze game with your dog where you're like, like this and the dog was like this? And then, then all of a sudden you go like this, and the dog goes like that. And they just do this. Where they're, it, 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 was, it was so, what's the, what's the goal? There's no, there's no rules, but, but they just get each other all riled up on this. And, and it, it was just so playful. It was just, it was, it was just a blast. And, and Max, uh, wherever Shelly went, Max had to go. I called Max Shelly's shadow. Uh, because if, if Shelly got up to go get a glass of water, Max had to follow her. He, it's like he didn't want to let her out of his sight. If, if, if Shelly went to the bathroom, Max had to go in the bathroom with her. And if Shelly wasn't home, he'd try to do that with me, but I'd say, dog, no way, no one's going to be looking at my business, all right? So you, I love you, dude, but there's limits. But he would follow Shelly wherever she went. It was just, it was just, and then when Shelly was doing stuff, Max would just sit and stare with these adoring eyes at her for hours. Shelly would be working on the computer, Max was just there staring at her. Or Shelly's watching television, and, but Max is watching her. Uh, she, she was his entertainment, <laughs> uh, just to stare at you and adore you. 
Uh, it was a thing of beauty. And Shelly was always talking to Max. Um, I mean, all day long. Uh, whatever she would be doing, she would just tell Max. And, and if she's working through a problem, she'd work it through with Max. And, and, and Max would just sit there and listen and, and turn his head like, like he was getting it. Um, I'd be up in my office and I'd listen to her tenderly talk to, to, to Max. And it would always put a smile on my face. So saying goodbye to Max was really, really, really hard. Uh, when you've had, uh, you know, adoring eyes staring at you for 13 years and now they're gone, you feel their absence. And, and you know, it's like Peter Pan losing his shadow. Uh, it's like losing a limb. A, a part of your day, something that was part of your every day, is now gone. Or coming home when you're used to this dog going nuts, so happy to see you, and now there's nothing. The silence and the nothingness is really, really loud. And so the ache and the void, especially in Shelley's heart, uh, persevered. And we went, our lives went back to normal, uh, but I could always see that there's this piece that was missing in Shelley. Um, the, the playfulness that Max brought out of her and that percolated into other areas of her life was just now gone. And um, there's this, I could, this, this loss, this tremendous loss. And Shelley didn't want to talk about ever getting another dog, uh, at least not now. And she wasn't sure she ever wanted another dog. Because what dog could possibly fill Max's shoes? It wouldn't be fair to the dog. And, and, and she also would realize that she probably would outlive this dog, and she doesn't know if she wants to subject her heart to this kind of pain again. So we never talked about getting another dog until three weeks ago. <laughs> and so I come home from, from, from church on a Monday afternoon, and, and Shelly's in the kitchen waiting for me, and she's got this weird look on her face, kind of mischievous, kind of confused. I don't know. It was just weird. So I said, honey, what did you do? <laughs> what did, something's going on here. And then she said, kind of with a giggle, but also crying, kind of with some tears, uh, she says, I think I found a puppy. <laughs> I think I found a puppy. And uh, this, this puppy was adorable and had a great personality. Um, and most importantly, this puppy had some quirks to her. Uh, we ended up getting her. Her name is Gracie. Uh, can you show Gracie here? Oh, look at oh. A little Yorkie. Oh, she, who could resist that, right? What was most important for Shelly is she always, she always liked something quirky. Max had a, quir a lot of quirky things about him. And she just loved quirkiness. Not only in dogs, and the guys that she dated, and that's how, lucky me. <laughs> me and Gracie won the lottery. Um, and Gracie's got some quirky things about her. But, so for a while, we, we debated, you know, should we not? Should we or should we not? For about a day, you know, the pros and the cons. It's a big decision. But I got to see that the cons all came from our heads, but the pro came from Shelly's heart. That her heart just was saying yes to this, and I was thinking, this is, I think, an occasion where we got to listen to the heart more than the head. And so we got our little Gracie. We got a little, and right now, I'll tell you, it looks like it was a great decision because this Gracie is a bundle of joy, just a bundle of joy. And, and it's so refreshing. That he, the playfulness is returning. You know, it's back in our family, this playfulness, this weirdness, and, and, and this, this, I can see the bond beginning to develop between Shelly and Gracie. You know, Gracie's following her around wherever she goes, and I, I'm upstairs in my office, and I'm hearing Shelly talking to the dog again, and it's just like, oh, now things are feeling more normal. Wholeness is back here. So, the other day, uh, it's my turn to take Gracie out at six in the morning when it's three degrees. Uh, this is one of the cons of getting a dog. <laughs> 
Uh, but uh, I take her out to go pee-pee, and then I give her her dinner, and we got to wait another 25 minutes because then she'll have to go poopy. And so in the meantime, I, I cuddle with her on the couch, and we're kind of playing and just, you know, just burying my face in her fur. And then I begin to think about how different these last three weeks have been compared to the six months previous. And I'm just getting overwhelmed with gratitude. And I begin to weep. And, and at one point, I took a little Gracie, and I just looked her in her little tiny beady, cute eyes. And uh, I, I, I said to Gracie, uh, you don't have any idea how important you are, or any idea how God is using you. You are a little hero. You're a little hero. Uh, and, and God is using you. And as I'm saying this to her, and I'm kind of weepy, uh, looking into her eyes, it was like I could see uh, some of that light cascading down from the Father of Lights, a reflection of his gifts coming into our life. Uh, as I'm looking into little Gracie's eyes, it's like I, I'm seeing the grace of God in Gracie uh, looking back at me. I'm seeing God's loving kindness looking back at me. I'm seeing God's wholeness and healing and his concern for, for us to, to have total restoration looking back at me. I'm seeing God's love, God's love for Shelly and for me and for this dog and for our family looking back at me through the eyes of Gracie. And, and it, it, it was a, a, a sacred moment. It felt like a sacred moment. Now, to some of you, that may sound like a sappy puppy Hallmark moment, but I'm telling you, what I know is that God is always working. He's always working, and every good gift comes from the Father above, and this little puppy here is a gift, and the look in his eyes is a gift, and it's bringing healing to our family, so I say, praise God for that. It may seem so trivial, so silly. What on earth are you talking about? Look at a little puppy. But God's in the small. God's in the tiny stuff. And sometimes the, the way he's in the tiny stuff is the most beautiful. So look through every day of your life. Looking for God in the small, in the, in the seemingly insignificant, in the smile, in the gesture, uh, you know, in, in the, 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 the act of kindness, uh, whatever is there, and give thanks for that because that is a gift from the Father above. Every good gift comes from the Father above. That's the discipline of review. Now, you can also do this not just with yourself, but since your narrative is wrapped up in the narrative of your family, it's good to do this with your family. And, and since your narrative is wrapped up with the narrative of whatever kingdom friends you have in your life, it's good to do it with kingdom friends, your small group, uh, or your house church. And you wouldn't necessarily do it every day, and you wouldn't necessarily have to write it down, but it's just good to sit down with your kingdom people, your family and community, and, and, and have times where you say, where have we seen God showing up? Where has God been present in our life? And together, comb through your experiences to notice what God is doing, and then to remember what God is doing. Because see, it's as you do that that you, you're solidifying the kingdom identity of your family and your small group. And, and it's forming you more as a kingdom person who's going to, the more you do this, the more you are, are going to be doing this. The more you look at the world in a kingdom kind of way and interpret things in a kingdom kind of way. And now you're living in a kingdom reality rather than in a secular reality with just a kingdom belief. All right? Amen? Okay. Now, it's also good for us, this is the final thing I'll say, to do this once in a while as a, as a community, as, a, as, as the Woodland Hills community. And I want to end this message by doing that. Uh, how has God been working in our midst? Uh, and because this is a congregation of 2,000, I can't go into the level of detail that I just went into with my puppy story. Otherwise, you'd be here till 2021. Uh, but I'll, I'll just hit it. I, I want to hit on a couple of highlights uh, about what God is doing. And uh, it just to solidify us as a kingdom community and to say thank you, God, for all you've been up to. First thing I want to say is, in 25 years of being a pastor at Woodland Hills Church, I will tell you that this year has been the funnest. 
uh, for, for me personally, it's been, it's just been a joy. Uh, it's, uh, it's something about it. It's just been, um, it's just been great. So I praise God for that. Here's another little thing before I even really get started. Because this isn't about this last year, although it almost is. But in one month, in January, we will make our last mortgage payment on this building. We didn't want that. Woo! And that's not because I'm such a great economic wizard. Because I am not. Uh, but we've got a board of stewards who have just been doing good stewardship. And by paying off this loan we have early, we're paying it off a couple years early, we're saving $1.9 million. That's good stewardship. That is, that's good stewardship there. Praise God. And so that's going to free up more money to be doing the ministries that we like to do. So, so, so praise God for that. Uh, it's been going on for a while. Um, Here's something, I, 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 just a couple of line items. Number one, I, this last year it has seemed to me that God's been at work in a special kind of way in our weekend services. Uh, I, it, there's been an increased anointing, it seems to me, on our worship and on the preaching. I, I don't know if you've noticed it, and it's not always constant, nothing in life ever is, but generally speaking, there's been a greater kind of energy, if you notice that. I, 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 the Spirit's been present. There's been more participation. I see more people raising their hands. I see more people really getting into it. And, 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 and God's been doing some great things during the worship set. It's just been beautiful. And in preaching, there's, there's, I just sensed, I and others who have spoken in the pulpit here, a greater sense of anointing. Um, times where you're just being carried along by the Spirit, where you're listening to what's coming out of your mouth rather than planning on what's coming out of your mouth. It's like, man, did I just say that? Uh, it, it's, it, and I just thank God for that. There's just been an increased kind of uh, anointing that's going on. Another thing that has happened this year is that I think we have made some steps forward in terms of our clarity on the beauty of God. I think people are seeing the beauty and believing the beauty of God more than they have before. This started with that, that, that Glimpses of Truth series that we did. And when we begin to look at, 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 at what's really going on there in the Old Testament with those nasty pictures of God, which have so polluted people's mental conceptions of God for so long. And it's just been beautiful to hear how many people are set, have been set free. Uh, I've heard dozens and dozens and dozens of testimonies like, like I, I, I never could fully believe that God was as beautiful as he's revealed to be on the cross because of these Old Testament things that are there and I, I was worried about that or whatever. But it seems like the coin's been dropping in a slot and people have been seeing the, the, the beauty of God revealed on the cross and how distinct that is and how unique it is, how blessed we are to be getting this. And so I thank God for, for that increased clarity and pray that God continues to do that. Uh, another, another thing that, that I thank God for is the, the various ministries that we've been partnering with. Um, some beautiful things have been happening there. I'll just mention a couple. The Lift is this ministry on the east side that, that uh, just mentors at-risk youth on the east side, teaching life skills and educational skills and financial skills. Uh, great ministry. We've been a partner with them for a number of years, but now they're in our building. We've invited them in, and so they're part of the network of ministries we have here, and we've got folks at, at Woodland Hills Church who volunteer there and support them and stuff like that. Uh, this year, they have dealt, they've been regularly uh, dealing with 38 different students and providing some help for them. And then they also run the, uh, the uh, job training skills program at our Plaza Theater. That's why we have this theater over there. And uh, this year, they've had 13 students who have been employed there learning job skills. And we got to realize, this, you're talking about some, some of these youth are folks who would be on the streets dealing drugs if they didn't have this going for them. And so this is a very significant ministry. Amen. Amen. 
So they had 13 they've dealt with this year. That brings to a total of 44 uh, folks who have been in this ministry. Another ministry that we partner with, and this one's dear to my heart because I have a son who's on the autism spectrum, but it's a ministry called TAP, Touching All Possibilities. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Woo! I love you guys. This is a beautiful ministry. And so it, it, it's very simple. They deal with, with, with folks who have uh, disability labels, cognitive or physical disability labels. And so they host, and these folks tend to be the most quarantined folks in, in society. They, they just tend to be locked away. But TAP provides these events where you, have, you invite folks who have these labels and folks who don't have these labels. And you come together and you just have a party without labels. Uh, and, and it's beautiful. You, you dance, you watch video games, you watch wrestling matches, you uh, hear poetry or whatever it is that you like to do. And it's just a celebration of life without labels. And it, it, it is so kingdom and it's so beautiful. You're talking about tearing down walls. This is what this ministry does. And so we've, in the last four months, we've had 12 events here at Woodland Hill Church, 12 of these TAP events. And in every one of them, there's been more than 100 people that have shown up. And so praise God for that. It's a beautiful thing. And I feel honored that we get to host this. And so... I encourage you to be looking in your bulletin, and when you see a TAP event coming up, check it out, because uh, you will be blessed, and you'll be a blessing to others. It's just a, 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 a beautiful kind of ministry. Our food shelf, of course, is, is one of the things I'm just so happy about here at Wilderness Church, partnering with Merrick Food Shelf, and we provide food and volunteers and money and stuff, and, 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 and run with that. Uh, they continue to grow and impact more and more families. This year, uh, we served an average of 600 families a month. Isn't that great? 600 families a month. And that's a God thing. We want to thank you, God. That's a gift. It's a gift that we get to be able to do that. And then there's the, the, the housing assistant ministry that we have here, the organizations that we have here, Ramsey County and Catholic Charities. And uh, they've combined forces here, and now uh, Woodland Hills is the hub of their, their organization. If you are in a homeless situation or in danger of being in a homeless situation, anywhere in the Ramsey County, they'll tell you to go to Woodland Hills Church. Uh, that's where their needs will be assessed and they'll be put in a program where they get a temporary shelter on their way to getting a more permanent shelter. And it's, a, it's a, just a beautiful thing that we get to partner with. And so th I don't know how many individuals they served this year, but they served over 700 families. Getting 700 families off the street into housing. And, and there's, this, there's, a beauty, there's a beauty to having it all here in one place. That was one of our, our goals from the, the start, to have a, a one-stop shop. Uh, because otherwise, these, these folks in, in these sometimes deplorable situations have to get on buses and travel over to Minneapolis to get their stamps and over here to get the voucher for whatever. And, and they have to, they're all in these different places. It's very confusing. And we're trying to have a one-stop shop here. And, uh, and sometimes you see it working in beautiful ways. So I think I shared this uh, a couple of months ago, but I don't remember uh, for sure. But there's this young lady that came up after service. Uh, with her, her son. And um, in fact, if, if you're here, come up afterwards because I would like to, I never got your name. But uh, um, uh, she told me this story. Uh, she, she said she had never before been in a church. And I said, oh, well, what brought you here to this? And she said, well, I had, I was living out of, my son and I were living out of our car because I finally got the courage to run from my abusive boyfriend. And so she's living out of her car. She only had a little bit of money, and it was now down to almost nothing. And her car was running out of gas, and she was in a desperate situation. She had no idea what to do. And she happened to run into somebody uh, who said, well, you ought to 
check out Willow Hills Church because they've, they have some resources for folks in these kind of situations. So she comes to this church one day, and in a three-hour period of time, she said, she was able to get into a battered women's shelter and on a short list to getting into uh, an apartment. Um, she was able to uh, get as much food as she needed for as long as she needed. Uh, she was able to get into a job training program to get some skills so she could get a job to support herself. And her son got enrolled in our, uh, uh, our, our low-income uh, 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 daycare center, which in her case would be for free. Um, and that all happened in this little period of time. And, and then she was kind of crying as she, she, she talked to me about this. She said, you know, um, I, I didn't know what, you, what went on in these churches. I, I thought you just came to pray and shit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 she goes, I, I didn't know that you were actually nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she said, it's been, you've been so helpful to me. I thought I had to come and check it out. And I don't understand anything that's going on here, but I really like it. And see, folks, that is a, that, that's like the bullseye of the kingdom right there. That's a poster child of the kingdom. You love folks into the kingdom. I, that's how you do it. So, so praise God for that. One final thing I want to say about 2017. Uh, it has to do with diversity. Uh, what, what I've seen God doing here. Background on this, and I got to do it really quick because I'm down to three minutes. Uh, we, Woodland Hill started as a Lily White Suburban Church. We're supposed to be out there in Woodbury. Lily White Suburban Church. But right from the get-go, we had a sense that we're supposed to face the city and have a heart for the poor and, and social justice, and that we're supposed to move in the direction of diversity. We, we right from the start, had this sense that, that homogeny is not a good thing, that the body is supposed to be diverse and that we're supposed to manifest the one new humanity that Jesus died for, Ephesians 2, and, and, and tear down the walls that separate people. Uh, you know, Jesus says on the cross, he tore down the dividing walls of hostility between different people groups. And if Jesus died for that, we've got to manifest that. And so we had a sense that this is a, a really a front burner issue, uh, something we've got to be pursuing. Now, we were lily white, ignorant white guys, or guys and gals, um, we, we, we are ignorant as rocks on this. But see, God can use you if you're ignorant as a rock. Because he can always teach you. What he can't do is use you if your heart is hard as a rock. And so our hearts were in the right place. We just didn't, we, we just didn't know much. We didn't know about what it meant to be white, how significant that was. Uh, we just thought it was normal. And we didn't know about the kind of privileged place we stand from and think from. And we didn't know about all the walls, systemic walls, that, uh, that favor some over others because we float above the whole thing. We just didn't know any of this. But because we felt God calling us to this, we started on a learning curve, uh, on a learning trajectory. And we are still on that. But slowly we began to learn sort of what's going on here and, and began to learn that, that, it, that it's not just about inviting people to your, your gig, uh, it's about making them part of our gig, uh, to, to, to let them join the usness of things, not just be an outsider that you minister to, but rather part of us. And slowly we began to see diversity increasing here at the church, inch by inch by inch by inch. Um, and sometimes it would plateau for a year or two, but we've, we've, we've slowly been making progress on this. In this last year, we've seen significant progress on this, the last two years really. And I'm happy to say that this once Lily White congregation, as of 2017, the end of 2017, this once Lily White congregation is now 26% full of beautiful color. Hallelujah. Uh, and... and 
that's about us. That, that's, that, that's a beautiful God thing right there. I think, you know, one of the ways you know God shows up is he likes to, he likes to wear color. He shows up in color. Amen? Amen. And uh, uh, diversity in and of itself is a God-glorifying, beautiful thing. And I, I thank the people of color that have, for have joining us in this. Um, so God's done some great things here in 2017, and we give God the glory for all of that. Every inch of it, we want to say, thank you, God. That's from you. That's from heaven. That is all gift. So I encourage us to be taking a, a review of our days. You just get used to doing, noticing and remembering the little ways that God shows up in our life. Uh, and, and to do that with our family and to do that with our kingdom friends. And as for us as a whole, I encourage us to be cooperating with God uh, to do even greater things in 2018. Because in the kingdom, there is no coasting. We thank God for all he's done and for where we're at now, but, but we're never going to say we have arrived because we ain't arrived. There's, there's, there's a lot more kingdom to, to grow in and a lot more of things to do. And so we want to be greedy for the spirit of God and say we want a double portion of this. The last word I want to say is, on behalf of the leadership of Footland Hills Church, is I want to thank all of you. I, I want to thank all of you for being a part of this. Um, you know, it's true that God can't do, that, that we can't do anything without God. But it's also the case that God chooses not to do much at all without us. We're his body. And, and, um, and so the, if, if, since we are the church, if, if, if people aren't stepping up to do their part, play their role, make their sacrifices, this doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. All that I've just said happened only because people were willing to bleed, uh, sacrificing their time and their resources and their energy and their talent uh, to see the kingdom go forward. And 99.99% of all that we do in the kingdom is not noticed, is behind the scenes, but that's part of what makes the kingdom. But I am so grateful for people who have been willing to say, count me in, I'll play my role, I'll do my part, I'll, I'll step into this. And it's, it's as we collectively sacrifice together, uh, imitating the cross. The kingdom begins when we bleed. As we collectively do this, that's when we see God move, we see lives impacted, we see people saved, we see the kingdom advance. And, that, and that's the most exciting thing in the world. We're part of something that is making an eternal difference in people's lives. What could be better than that? Amen? Okay, would you stand? I want to invite the prayer teams to come forward, and if you're here this morning and have any need that could use prayer, I invite you to come up here and pray with these folks. And if you're here this morning and you're not a surrendered disciple of Jesus, I encourage you to consider becoming one. Uh, these folks would love to explain to you uh, what's involved in that, so come and, and, and check it out with them. Folks, as we leave here this last service of 2017, can we do it as a kingdom people that are committed to enthroning Jesus over our heads, over our thought, over our think, making him part of our mental framework, integrating him to every moment of our life? And can we do it as a people who are committed to living in love as Christ loved us and gave his life for us? If you're in agreement with that, say amen and go out and start loving. Amen. amen. God bless you guys. Love you. See you next year.